Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and I don't suck, and neither does the Pipples podcast, but anyone who plays the Riders, they suck. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Let's go, Rider Nation. Here we go. This is the Johnny McKegg band with Here We Go. And this is the Piffles Podcast, your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders podcast. The one, by the way, that doesn't suck. My name is Alex. And Damn I'm it. still he not did it Steve. Again. He did it again. Part-time Steve. Part-time Steve. This, this re- is why you guys don't do family stuff ever. Like Families, all they do is drag you down. Last oh. week, we joked that he that his home planet needed him and he was on his way like Poochie. I'm pretty sure that's actually what happened. Cause I haven't seen Steven three weeks now. Or, or he got killed by his planet. No, actually I saw him today. So I know he's alive and well, he was wearing a very colorful, colorful shirt that I couldn't hear him because it was so loud, but he <laughs> is definitely alive and well. Well, you can give us a follow on Twitter at Piffles pod. You can give me a follow at real Alex D. And I still do not want nor need your pity follows at Greg on sports. Unless you're Sergeant Slaughter listening, then uh, Greg does want yeah. that follow. At this point, I don't even want his anymore, you maggot. Like, come it's on, you Iraqi sympathizer. I don't care if you want your country back. It's more of a badge of honor that you don't have his follow, I think. At this point. <laughs> follows everyone else. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast and the website pifflespodcast.com. We'll get something up there. I, I, I swear. This podcast is brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Let's jump right to football here, Greg. Time for the opening kickoff. Is that a good return for a touchdown? Uh, Not this week. Last week it did, and that sucked. And that was pretty much the game right there. Once that happened last Thursday, the opening kickoff being taken back from Montreal, I was like, well, this is a typical... I joked about it, saying that this is going to be your regular 41-3 to game in Montreal. It pretty much was. I, I, and I said whatever. games in Montreal. I, I know I picked the Riders to win because – and we'll get we'll get to this in a second, but I said the games in Montreal are always wacky. And the minute that happened, I'm like, well, I said it was going to be wacky because that's what it was. Like, what was that? Like, did they forget that they got off the plane? Well, and here's, here's the thing about that game. Losing 37-13 – uh, yeah, okay. Lose by a whole bunch. The game was over by halftime. I'm not too worried about that because one, it's week three of this season. Two, it was against a team that lost two very close games that probably could have been 2-0, and should have been 2-0 and going in. So it's a good team over there in Montreal. And one week of practice, or sorry, one day of practice, which was close to the media. So nobody knew what was going on. So how you know, much of an actual practice that was, who knows, cross-country travel, you went from Edmonton to Saskatchewan to Montreal, just burn the film and move on, like, whatever, like, it's, to me, it's a good thing they're playing Montreal again right away, because you don't have time to, to, you know, think about getting back at them, you're just going right back to them, so, and this will will be an apples-to-apples comparison 
of what rider this rider team actually is. Were, are they really as bad as they were last Thursday? Or was it just they lost Dan Clark, short week, had to put Logan Bandy in, you lose Shaq Evans early in the game. Like, because at, at that point, like I even said, like I wasn't part of the reason why I picked the riders to win last week is because I did not trust Trevor Harris in the red zone. And it turns out I'm right. Because once they got to the red zone, they couldn't do crap. However, outside of the red zone, they got like it was a couple blown coverages up until halftime. It was a blown coverage, and that uh, return uh, touchdown was basically the difference of the game. And then after the halftime, they started throwing out the second stringers, trying not to get people hurt. So I'm not that concerned about this game, but uh, Saturday is going to let us know what this team really is. So Logan Bandy, I thought he played all right, all things considering first first start of his career the guy's a fifth round pick um so usually those if they ever pan out it does take a while so for him in his first year getting his first start for dan clark which is a, a big piece missing in, in any offense is your center um so to to miss that is already a, a big thing i thought he played pretty well all things considering i don't think he was the weak link on the offensive line and, and he, drew, he, drew a, he had a tough draw with a, a seawall right across from him too yeah yeah, he was he was literally thrown to the fire, and I, I thought he held up pretty well. So so that's good. Like that to me, that was a positive. Was that he did seem to hold up. He didn't. He wasn't the reason why the offensive line was was having issues. Yeah, they gave up a lot of sacks, but Natai Rogers, let's be honest, was god awful. He was terrible. Turnstile, like literally, just put a coin slot in his helmet because he, he was just letting guys by. Like we haven't seen that since, since Charles Thomas. Wow, Although he was a deep he, cut. He was getting all the holding penalties, though, and Ty Rogers was just letting guys go around him without touching him. Like, but that was easily Ty Rogers' worst game of the season. Didn't help that it came in in that game. So to me, you compound everything, and yeah, it, it was it was a drubbing. But I don't make too much of the game itself. Um, so we'll see what happens with Logan Bandy this week, getting that full week of practice and continuity on the O line. Maybe Jamal Campbell actually get to play a little bit because honestly, right now he should be the the right tackle for Natai Rogers. Can't be any worse. I swear to God, it can't be worse. Well, it, it might be. We'll get to that a little bit later on when we preview this upcoming game. Um, but the other big story from this is uh, you mentioned Shaq Evans fracturing his ankle out six to eight weeks. Huge, huge loss for the Riders' offense. Shaq was looking good this year, looking like he returned to his 2019 form, and now he's gone. So it's it's Duke Williams and Keen Schaefer Baker and a bunch of guys. And that's not good. With losing Shaq, that unfortunately allows Schaefer Baker and Duke to draw their best guys and multiple guys. Uh you wanted that three-headed monster out deep, and we don't got it right now. I guess we're going to see what they rotate through, but yeah, losing Shaq is not good because it's going to take even after he gets back, it's going to take him a while to get back up to full speed. So, well, look at last year when he came back from his injury; it he was he was not the same. So, and this is a guy who's you know getting up there in receiver's age, we'll call it, not not in real life, but in in football life, um, and he's had major injuries in in back-to-back seasons. So there's a lot of people writing them off. I'm not ready to do that yet. I think Shaq Evans is too determined, too, too good of a player to, to write off right now. But it is starting to become a concern that 
uh, it looked like a nothing tackle uh, ended up breaking his ankle and now he's out for a good portion of the season. And you know what I was surprised about? This is Ryder Nation. I thought for sure the minute we found out he broke his ankle, there'd be a million tweets about, we need to get Jordan Williams Lambert back on in Ryder Green. I thought for <laughs> sure that'd be the first thing I'd see on Twitter. But hey, maybe we're learning. Maybe we are learning, if anything. No tweets asking for Paul McRoberts? Uh, yeah, no. Old frying pan hands is definitely gone. <laughs> so it uh, looks like it'll be Tevin Jones. Uh, he's been rotating a lot with uh, Dooley Aristild for the uh, for the starting spot, but it does seem like it's leaning to Tevin Jones. And honestly, just based off of uh, professional history, I would lean that way as well. Spent some time with the Jags, played in the NFL. So that would be my first guy that we have here on the practice roster that I'd bring up. And we won't um, stutter so, over his name every uh, podcast. <laughs> and that's important. That's I, really, I'm not even going really to attempt the other one. I'm, I'm not. I like stay on the practice roster, stay on the bench. I'm not going to achieve it. <laughs> so that's the big thing. And, and you mentioned another thing that I wanted to bring up was uh, Craig Dickinson saying that this is, this is the week we're really going to see what this team is made of. So they, I don't want to say had it easy in the first couple of weeks because they didn't. Uh, but the defense dominated. The offense did enough in the first two weeks to get it done. And now they're facing a bit of adversity because a lot of people are thinking if they lose this game, okay, it might be time to panic. Two and two, you're falling behind. Now three teams in the West. Where's, you know, what's it going to be going forward, especially with the injuries? But this is going to be the real test for the team to see how they, uh, you know, playing at home is going to be a big help getting the boost of the 13th man. and. We'll see what happens. So it's, it's really going to show us what this team is, is to me, mentally made of. As, as a uh, team from the West, you don't want to lose those Eastern games. You just can't. And I just realized that's Cody's first loss to a team that is not the Bombers or Stamps. If you don't count that Ottawa game, his first one. He's never lost a game to any other team except for the Bombers and Stamps. Yep, you're right. So, yeah, you want to be able to run the board out of the East because Western bias, but the Western, the West is better than the East, whether the East wants to admit it or not. So, like, you can't afford to lose ground on those West teams because the East games are supposed to be the games you win. And, yeah, losing to Montreal, even if they are a good team, uh, you, can, you can't afford to drop those. So we're not going to dwell too much on this loss here. Again, 37-13. That's just one of those games that happens to pretty much every team in the CFL. But what really bugs me about this is just the way that the schedule is made. And we could save this for the rant section, but I'll, we have we have something, we have something else we want to talk about. Yeah, something a little bit more sweet to talk about in the uh, in the rant and later icy. on. But no, it's yeah. not gonna be hot. It's not, we're not going to be fired. It's going to be ice mixed with <laughs> we'll some slurp. sort of beverage. Anyway. Yeah. We'll uh we'll slurp that one up a little bit later on. Um, Ew. Yeah, that was. Terrible. We're not doing phrasing anymore. I apologize for that. That was bad. But there's no way a team in the CFL, and it's happening again this week, where a team that played the previous final game on the Saturday is playing the first game on Thursday. So the Riders played the second or played the final game in Week Two against Edmonton. And then played the first game last week on Thursday, traveling cross country. If you're going to have two games in those five days, they should both be at home. So you don't have to travel or at least be, you know, 
within Edmonton, Calgary, like something super quick, not, uh, you know, two, t- two time zone difference, at least. It should, be two east, week- it should be two East teams. Like the Thursday game should be two East teams or Calgary or like, or, or some teams that are like, yeah, didn't have the thing. But yeah, if you're going to be last game, first game, yeah, you should be in your time zone. And, and this week we have BC Lions, their Thursday game against Montreal or against uh, Ottawa. So that's a, that's a long cross country trip right there. And BC played that last game. Yeah, I was at home, but they played that last game on Saturday. And it happens again. I looked through the schedule. It happens again a couple more times this year. With nine teams, there's no way this should ever happen. With bye weeks happening every single week, there is literally no reason for this whatsoever. And it's absolute trash because, I mean, maybe BC doesn't get blown out the way the Riders do, but I expect them to lose because that's a tough trip. And let's be honest, Ottawa can be just as much fun as, as Montreal is. And if BC gets the doors blown out, oh my God, the the narrative that's going to come out of that, everyone jumping the gun on Nathan Rourke is going to be delicious. <laughs> well, we'll get to that in a minute here. I do have that written down, but just got to stop with that. Like, especially in the summer here, I know you're making Thursday night games a thing and you have Thursday, Friday and Saturday to do this. Have your... If, you're going to have a double header on Friday. Maybe have one of those, have two of those teams play on Thursday. So at least it's not the short week. It's one, you get one extra day, but there's got to be a better way they can do this. It's absolutely just garbage that the CFL is doing this to the teams. Like they want to talk about player safety Well, giving them one day of practice really, and no time to rest up. That's not really player safety. Yeah, that's, to me. that's a garbage move. It totally is. So that happens a few more times this year. And, I mean, if you want to make it even where every team does it once, okay, fine. That happens in the NFL where every team plays a Thursday game. Sure, but something's got to change. Anyway, that's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty. Time to jump to our Churchill Brewing Company, Odds and End Zones. And uh, I want to ask you... Riverman Red right now. Riverman Red? What do I have? Oh, hey, that's what I have too. Yeah, there we go. Um, what's the bigger story in the CFL to you right now? The fact that the Ticats are 0-3 to start the year or Nathan Rourke's record-setting start to the season? Historically, Rourke. Bigger picture or small uh, small term, Ticats. Because if the Ticats take a giant step backwards, that team's in flux. Like, you go two years in a row losing the Grey Cup. You have to think Steinauer is definitely in the hot seat, whether he should be or not. Um, but I think long term Nathan Rourke. But you already have people raining on that parade, going, "Well, once his NFL window uh, is up, he's out of here." So there goes your friend. There goes your league uh, tr- uh, generational player right there. Well, well, let's go with the Tie Cats here, like you said. Losing back-to-back rate cups, starting 0-3, definitely not how they imagined. It doesn't help that Dane Evans hasn't really looked good outside of the first half of the game against uh, the Calgary Stampeders where they're up 24-0. Outside of that, he hasn't looked good. And even in two losses, Jeremiah Mazzoli has looked good. So the optics already around that, oh, great. They took the wrong quarterback. So that doesn't help anything. But... And, and I mentioned it last week. You just mentioned it now. 
at what point do you start looking at the coach? I would not get rid of Orlando Steinauer because you're not going to replace him with anybody who's remotely close to as good as he is. But at what point do you want to get to the second round of the playoffs in, in the NHL and just keep losing before you finally decide, okay, it's the coach, right? Like teams get to, good teams get to the playoffs, lose in the first round or second round every single year, they fire their coach. So at what point does that happen to Orlando Steinauer? Because unless he wins a Grey Cup this year, he's he has to be on the hot seat. Well, you also have to remember he's also he's not even they they um gave him a promotion last year. He's not only the head coach, he's also the president of football ops. So uh, getting rid of him might not be as easy, but it's well that could, that could be one of those Kent Austin things. Look how Kent Austin fared you know following uh their back-to-back great cup losses in 13 and 14 they were awful in 2015 was it 2015 they started the season mm-hmm. one in 10 or something like that or one in nine whatever it was it was a bad start and that was when they brought in was it june jones like something has to change orlando will still be there he's still going to be president of football ops but just not the coach Wow. Well, you also got to think uh, Ed Hervey's looking his chops as the assistant general manager waiting for that spot, too. Like, they probably could move on from Orlando pretty easily. I don't think they should. I think he's a great football mind. Absolutely. I think he's, um, frankly, I think he's a better head coach than, I well, I can't speak on how he is on football ops, but I, I have great respect for him as a coach. But I don't know what you do. That's that's going to be a big hole in your entire system to get rid of your VP of football ops and your uh, head coach in one full swoop. Cause I, I'm trying to remember who is his assistant coaches are. Uh, Tommy Condell, I guess, Mark Washington, he'd be a good head coach, I guess. Craig Butler's there. Mike Gibson's there. Like they've got a good coaching staff. I don't understand what, why they're having such a slow start. Well, if they lose to Edmonton this week at home to go 0-4 to start. And to the Elks, who are 0-3? Yeah. I mean, they have played better. The Elks have the last couple weeks. But they're still a first-year Chris Jones team. Like, they're still they're still not a good team yet. No, we, we, I can speak from experience. Uh, <laughs> a first-year Chris Jones team is an experience. Yes. Uh, they're finding that out. How many uh, cuts were made this week? Seven or eight already through the first couple of days. Um, yeah, that's Jones being Jones. But uh, to, that's a that's a big thing for me because, again, a lot of people taking the Ticats in the East. And right now, yeah, okay, the East has, what, a couple wins between them? But uh, Montreal still. might be the best team there. Yeah. Sure. And even then, Ottawa, maybe. I don't know. And even then, Trevor Harris is the is the guy in Montreal now. And who knows? He doesn't win back to back games. Like you mentioned, he's a great guy between the twenties. Can't finish in the end zone. So, but no, who can? Nathan Rourke. <laughs> yeah. So this guy's playing Big out of way. his mind right now. He is playing unreal right now, setting the record for passing yards in a single game by a Canadian quarterback with, what, 436 last week? Yeah, 430-something, yeah. That was awesome to watch. That first half, he was just about perfect. 
And the thing is, it's, yeah, he hit a bunch of open receivers, but a lot of them weren't his first reads either. He was, it was getting to his second, third reads and he was making great decisions. And that even without Brian Burnham, that's still a really good receiving core with Lucky Whitehead, Javon Katoy, um, well, that, that's that's Dominic the and that's the nice thing about uh, paying him basically league minimum is they could afford those receivers. Yep, and good good on them. Like if you can, do you have a quarterback that that's is that good for that price tag? You better put the weapons around them. And I, I I'm trying to remember. I should guess I should went back and listen. We kind of got called to the carpet this week on Twitter saying that we trashed Nathan Rourke early. I don't. I think we came to the conclusion that it would be good for the league if he's good, but having him and O'Connor as your only solutions is a was a risky move. It's paying off, but when you gamble big, you win big. But I don't know. Like he's going to be really good, but what? Ha- like I'm telling you right now, Michael O'Connor is not Nathan Rourke. Rourke gets hurt. What are you going to do then? And that's the thing with no veteran presence behind them. Like maybe maybe that's where you know, someone like a Matthew Schultz would have been a better option than he is in Hamilton. Hamilton, I think that's a good signing for them this yes. season was getting was getting Schultz. But maybe that's something BC should have done instead of just to have a little bit of veteran presence that has started games in this league instead of going essentially with two raw rookies. Um, but Rourke has played very well, and we, we want him to do well. What would be better in the CFL this year than especially with all this talk about the ratio before the season and, you know, trying to kill Canadians out of the league and all that kind of stuff to have a Canadian quarterback just show up and light it up. There's nothing better. There's no better story in the CFL than that, if that were to happen. And I think we all want that because if we, if we can find the next Russ Jackson with, with Nathan Rourke here, that's a huge win for the league, not just now, but 10 years from now, 15 years from now, when you have, young 10-year-old quarterbacks right now playing flag football, seeing this guy succeed in the CFL who might even get an NFL shot. And let's say he does. That's it. That might be even better. Well, you have to think, like, guys like Chase Claypool, like, and we, we talked about this, we talked about the ratio earlier this year. Like, it's, it's the players like Claypool that are going to get the – uh, more notoriety than unfortunately random Canadian on the Ottawa Red Blacks. Um, that's just the way it is. Nathan Rourke at a position as a quarterback in, in the CFL, that's probably going to raise some eyebrows. Brandon Bridge got some decent pub trying to be what Nathan Rourke is. So no, Nathan Rourke as a Canadian quarterback in the CFL. Great. Nathan Rourke as a Canadian quarterback in the NFL, bigger news, unfortunately, that's just the way it is. Um, but I also had to laugh that, that someone called Nathan Rourke the steal of the draft. I'm like, no one was going to take a Canadian quarterback that high in that draft. They never do. You don't. That's just not the way the, the Canadian draft works. Like, sure, you, you you roll the dice on a Canadian quarterback, but chances are he's your short yardage guy at best, <laughs> or you turn him into a receiver if you're Brad Sinopoli. Who had a very good career. Yeah. Like Trey Ford, Canadian quarterback. He's playing receiver now, or is he is he a DB yet? I don't know what Chris Jones is doing anymore. Yeah, who knows? He might start at def- he might start at D tackle for all we know with the Chris Jones defense. But 
I don't know. Like I, I want to see Rourke succeed because it's, it's good for the league. I, and, I, I wish him to have a mediocre game against the Riders. <laughs> I don't know. The season opener last year, he was pretty damn good in that one. Um, so they got Ottawa this week on a short week. So a lot of people saying, well, he hasn't played anybody yet, beating Edmonton and Toronto. And Toronto hasn't really looked that good this season to start. Um, even they, I mean, they should have lost their home opener to um, Montreal. I, I took them to beat Winnipeg this week. Interesting. I do like to live dangerously. Yeah, you do. Um, So if Rourke gets it done against Ottawa, do we start talking about, okay, well, now he's actually played a, you know, a pretty decent team, even though Ottawa doesn't have a win. Well, that's it. it He hasn't played anybody because he's just beaten teams that are combined one and seven. I just, I just, I just laugh. The riders are two and one and, on a crappy week and the, the wheels are off and the building's on fire and Ottawa hasn't won a game. Ottawa's was looking really good this year. <laughs> like, what? I don't know. Like, I, I think BC is going to beat Ottawa. I hope they beat Ottawa. Well, I don't hope they beat Ottawa, but I, they should beat Ottawa. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of teams right now that there's the top half of the league is still pretty good. The bottom half of the league is still pretty bad. And then, in, in between is the last team that's going to make the playoffs. Uh, one other thing here before we move on, just talking about the couple stories in the CFL this year. Did, are we witnessing the rebirth of Bo Levi Mitchell? Because he's looked really good the last game and a half. He's definitely playing with a chip on his shoulder, and that's the way he needs to play. He needs to be pissed off every game. I think he's sick of hearing about my uh, mayor. I think he's sick about hearing how he's done and he's going to basically jam it up. Everyone's uh, you know, what's cause uh, that's just the way Bo Levi Mitchell is. And he doesn't give anyone the finger except when he does. Yeah. It's just a Steve, but Steve hasn't been here for two weeks. So, yeah, so I, 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 we're, chances are we're going to give Steve the finger when we see him next day. So. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> All right. Well, the big story in the CFL this week. The big story. It was a big story. I'm serious about that. It's a huge story. It was. That's got everybody fired up, either happy or really, really mad. And or, it's all or really, about, really confused. And it's all about a cup, a plastic cup. Last time I saw this meeting, people talking about a cup, there was uh, two girls involved and it's uh, not safe for work. No. So 7-Eleven, the new uh, Thursday night football sponsor for the CFL. And uh, probably Calgary's record for this year. <laughs> well, I don't know. They're looking all right right now. Um, that'd be one hell of a fall off though. 7-Eleven has brought out collectible Slurpee cups for each team in their home market. So in Saskatchewan, presumably in Saskatoon, you'll see them as well too, I would assume. You're gonna see some rider Slurpee cups. Calgary, you'll see Calgary one ones. You won't see Toronto ones in, in Regina, but say La Vie. The problem is, well, there's a few problems with this. First off, I do wanna give the CFL props on uh, getting a national sponsor a big name sponsor to do something like this because and they're, and they're, 
they're the Thursday night football sponsor as well. So there's name recognition going into it. So good on seven yeah. 11 for stepping up for the CFL, something that the CFL fans have complained for about forever. And seven 11's done um, CFL collector cups before. Um, I don't know if it was a national campaign or if it was just local markets, but they've done it before with, uh, they had, I think they had travel mugs, coffee mugs. They've done the, the Slurpee cups before they've done Slurpee cups for WWE and different movies. Like they're always involved in this kind of stuff. I have a so new day good. runner somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you would new day rocks. Um, see, I, I know that much about, uh, new wrestling. Yeah, I, well, I, I had a cast and Enzo one, but that one is, yeah, we don't talk about those guys anymore. I heard that one was soft. Um, so good on the cfl for for getting these things out there and and i guess apparently it's what july 4th where they're going to be absolutely everywhere in canada everywhere except montreal and ottawa because 7-elevens do not exist in quebec Quebec and ottawa you will not find a 7-eleven there so where are these fans supposed to get their cups nowhere apparently they don't now, Danny Austin, good friend of the show, Calgary Stampeders beat writer, was on Twitter and he deleted all this because a lot of people got upset with him and he super upset. Maybe, maybe went a little bit too far on a couple comments of his, but the gist of it is him saying, "Why are people getting so upset about a cup? If you're older than ten years old, you can just go buy a cup or whatever. Like it's a piece of plastic." And to an extent, I agree with him. Because every team store sells tumblers, they sell cups, they sell coffee mugs, they sell stuff with your team's logo on it. So if you need a Ryder Cup that bad, you will find one. I promise you, it's not that hard. Go to co-op. Same thing, same thing with, with Ottawa fans and Montreal fans. You can find a travel cup with your team's logo on it. They exist. But the CFL fans, and Greg, we talked about this before we started recording the show, are special breed are different they want not just their own team they want to collect the whole set now me i would actually love to have a whole set that's just the kind of fan that i am i'd love to have a whole set now i realize that the majority of fans don't feel that way and they just want their own team which is perfectly fine there's nothing wrong with that supporting the cfl any way you can that's a good thing but i can't get all nine teams unless i start getting people from every other market to do this and then all of a sudden i'm paying people shipping to send me a plastic cup uh all of a sudden i, I don't have that kind of money right now <laughs> to to get plastic slurpy cups it's... but cfl fans want this there has to be some sort of option on 7-eleven's website hey with a purchase of a 20 dollar card purchase the like that you can use at your local 7-Eleven. You can also purchase this nine pack of cups or just your one team, whatever, for $6, whatever it is. It doesn't matter what the price is. They, they got to have an option somewhere because it seems like every time that the CFL does some sort of national campaign or market like this, it's a good thing, but they half-ass it. Well, I don't know if they half-ass it. Like, like I said, 7-Eleven is the sponsor for this year's Thursday Night Football. So it's Thursday Night Football brought to you by 7-Eleven. Awesome. So to do the tie-in with, with that, they're doing the local mo- markets only for the cops. 
problem is Quebec does not have 7-Elevens, which means there's not an Ottawa, not even on the on because it got no Ottawa. Like for some reason they can't aren't aren't allowed on the Ontario side. And yeah, so that sucks. But then there's fans complaining that, well, what if I want to get a Toronto Cup when I'm in Regina? Can't. And it's just I, I see the point of them not wanting like say bomber cups in Regina. You, you, you might move a few, but chances are there's going to be a bunch of extra bomber cups just sitting there because no one wants them. So I get that aspect of it, but yes, CFL fans are completionists. It's not a, it's a tribe. It literally is. It's the closest thing to tribalism that I think I'm involved in because these fans are lovable, but nuts. And I, I'm part of it. Like I've got, just looking up above my desk, I've got an Argos bobblehead of Jarrell Walker. Why? I'm not an Argos fan, but I got one. I've got a, and I'm showing Alex, even though this is a uh, audio podcast, I've got 150 coin for the Hamilton Tiger Cats from their 150th anniversary. Why? I'm a CFL fan. That's that's the way we are. So, like, so I get that point, but I also get Danny's point. It's a cup. You can buy one. Like, why why doesn't the the CFL have like a 10 mug set where you get a CFL cup and a cup from every team? Do it that way. Like sell on C on the CFL shop. You can take your these reusable cups into 7-Elevens and refill them. The CFL shop that does not exist. Oh, well, you can buy CFL merch off of yeah. But you well, have that's on on the red block site yeah and I, I still need to do i still need to do my video breakdown of that garbage but anyway <laughs> oh triggered anyway but it's so just the, it's just another marketing like did they miss the boat on this because i feel I it's a good well, thing i, I don't but, i don't it's, it. i don't think that's the cfl's fault it's probably 7-eleven looking at their market research going this is what we're going to do hey we're going to celebrate our tie with you and they know Cups from the market are going to are going to do better in the markets and random cups, and then but you have guys like going around like uh, uh, Fluffy there uh, from the uh, one of the Argos fans, and he's taking pictures of of the of the cups in Seven Eleven, and it must be a massive Seven Eleven because the collectible cups were like what six shelves high, and it's like all bunch of Leafs cups and some other cups, and then I had a lot of their Seattle Seahawks in Toronto, like I'd understand the Bills, but the Seahawks. But yeah, no Argos Cups yet. So it's weird. I kind of see it from all sides. But yes, there should be cups available for any fan who wants them through the CFL website somehow. Like, yeah, tie it to, hey, you got to buy a 7-Eleven gift card for X amount of dollars and we'll throw in like this cup set. But I don't know. It's just funny. CFL fans like, Hey, we want this. Okay, here you go. It was like, well, not like that. We want it like the way we want it. And no one's ever happy. And that just seems to be the way of the CFL. Something good happens and it's not good enough. And, and I mean, that's no fault of the fans. I'm not saying that their demand is ridiculous here because I don't think it is. But make a good point with the market research with uh, 7-Eleven doing that. But they're just there has to be something that they can do. Like this is the CFL knows their fan, right? Like they're not maybe, maybe they maybe they don't. 
Charmeleon like, nuts. Is, is that, might, is that the problem? And they, they actually might not like tie into the riders and their marketing plans this year. I don't think CFL teams understand what they're doing. I think they hire people that have a bunch of letters behind their names who, who think they know the CFL fan. And I'm sorry, some of the stuff I've seen, they don't Victor Kui, um, BC lions, like this younger blood that you see seems to understand that what their fan wants people that were fans before they were involved in the team. And then you have the riders who hire an outside marketing firm and they're bringing in random influencers on this VIP thing. Meanwhile, all of us season ticket holders are going, all I want is at least a shoelace this year. You guys didn't even do that. Okay. Well, let's get into that then. So we were, (laughs) uh, showed up on my Twitter feed. Uh, no longer exists, but thanks to Anonymous for bringing this to my attention. Right, I'll talk to her later. I'll, I'll thank her for this. <laughs> a good friend of ours, actually. Uh, yeah. But the riders brought in influencers on their Instagram page to post videos of them having a luxury um, experience at the, the riders store. and going to practice and, and whatever. So they bring in very clearly just media influencers. That's what they are. And as much as a lot of people won't say that's a real thing, yeah, it's a it's a real thing. That's a some job. Some people actually, people. some people do well. They do well. Yep, it's it's personal branding, and we see it everywhere. But they have no connection, no authentic connection to the team, and they're getting all this kind of the, stuff. The, the one was trying to sell it is like, dad or grandpa is from Saskatchewan, is a big fan, and I'm like, come on, like maybe that's true, but that doesn't say anything about you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Meanwhile, season ticket holders and fans who spend thousands of dollars a year buying tickets, going to games, traveling to away games, buying merchandise, creating their own great content with pictures I, and, and online presence. No, I, great, great content. Oh, okay. I was going to average. Oh, okay. Yeah. Next time we'll bring you into the conversation. Right. Um, but get nothing from the team. And this goes back to your shoelace comment. Season ticket holders don't get anything anymore. Oh, hey, guess what? If you were at the preseason game, you got 10 bucks off uh, concessions or at the router store. They knew they could do that because it was a random Tuesday when the game got yeah. moved. and All yeah. less than 3,000 people that were there. Yeah. So nobody knew about this whatsoever. If they would have marketed that before just to try and get some people, some people would have bought tickets for the game just for that reason. Oh, cool. I can spend 10 bucks and get it, or buy a ticket and get you know, a free hot dog. Okay, cool. Maybe I'll buy a ticket and go check this game out. But it just, but it just goes back to just the, the, the swing and a miss by marketing. And for the writers specifically, this is what happened when they got rid of everybody that they had in their marketing team from Saskatchewan, fired them and brought in people from Ontario thinking that they know the Saskatchewan market. Now we talked about how CFL fans are different. Rider fans are different. Rider Super fans different. are very different than They're any nuts. other sports And we fans. are some. We're you crazy. We're lunatics. Like, I don't understand. Like, They're trying to market to Ontario people in Saskatchewan. But like, here's the that, thing, that, though. People that do not exist. The, the, They're board, trying to... the board. The entire board is basically Saskatchewan-based. Like, they... Like everyone is local on that board, pretty much. And they can't go, eh, I don't know. Like, 
one of my favorite gags from Futurama is they have like the board of directors that's all robots of a TV show. And the one is like, and this is Alpha, and she tells us about what the Midwesterners think. It's like, well, that's good, but we'll get them on their combines. I'm sorry, that's Saskatchewan. Like, there are people that listen to the games literally on their combines. And you are bringing in someone who does fancy patios to try to get, get like on, on, on her Instagram. I yeah. am like, I get it. You want the younger market. I don't know what her following is, but I don't think who the people that are interested in going to Ryder games are in her, uh, on her feed. No, the people watching her are not going to be like, Ooh, I'm going to go buy a ticket to a football game or I'm going to buy that. Who is it a hoodie or a bunny hug? That was the question that uh, was posed on the poll on the Instagram feed. Like, okay, I, I get it. You're trying to go super Saskatchewan there. Very obvious answer. It's a bunny hug. Wait, was, she right? drink, was she drinking a Vico or Beep while she was asking the question? No, no, there was not. There was no Vico, and I'm a little upset about that. And actually, I have to give props to um, uh, TSN um, 1260, and, 1260 in Edmonton. They do uh, their morning show, Dustin Nielsen, no. who uh, does play-by-play. Um, him and uh, his producer, Eric, who's actually from Saskatchewan, um, once a month, I believe, on their show, their morning show, they do a draft. They draft something. So they did beverages, or I think it was summer beverages. Producer Eric took Vico. Good for him. In his draft. So got to give him props for for doing that. Good old Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. That's, a, that's a good Sasky boy right there, eh? Yep. But this this whole like i know they need to mark to market to non-traditional cfl fans and they need to find something that works but they're also doing so by alienating the fans that are actually paying the bills right now and they need to stop doing that because as much as i'm going to keep watching the game whether i get a lanyard from the team or not i'm still going to go to games i'm still going to watch them i'm still going to you know buy some merch and all that kind of stuff but maybe I'm probably buying a little bit less now because the cost is too much and I don't really need 14 hats anymore. Especially with the size of your head. Ouch. I walked right into that one. <laughs> but with, yeah, like money is tight. Gas is expensive. The people driving in from PA every game day just doesn't happen anymore. Like, at some point, you have to take care of the fans you have while still expanding your market. So you got to be able to walk and chew bubblegum at the same time. But right now, it seems all they care about is bringing in new blood, which I'm not faulting them for doing. But at the same time, they're I'm also feeling... pushing out fans while they're doing this. Yeah. So are you really gaining anything? No. You're losing stuff because the fans that you're pushing out were the fans that were buying stuff before. And the ones that you're bringing in are going to, yeah, you might get a couple hardcores out of them, but you're going to get a super casual fan. Like, and I get it. You're trying, you're trying to get the young market so you can try to hook them. But until you got them on the hook, why, why, like, you know, why are you pushing out the one, the people that have the money that are buying your season tickets that are there every game? spending hundreds of dollars a game on tickets and food and booze and who knows what else. Like you, you gotta be able to do both. And right now it feels like they're only doing one. Like, don't get me wrong. They made some, they made some smart changes. They got 
the family menu uh, menu on every station now good to see had should have happened like two years ago but the same time the minute you started going digital with your tickets you kind of forgot about your season ticket holders yeah like we used to joke about the the shoelaces and the fancy boxes but at least it's something we we don't even get that anymore we, well, we, get, and, we, and, we get a bunch of random points that go at the end of the season go oh crap i got a bunch of points that i need to use I guess I'll enter a sweepstakes that I'm not going to win. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> or get a five dollar off coupon. I haven't even checked. I haven't even checked my points total this year, to be honest. Like that, and that's where I'm at. Like, sure. And it's interesting you bring up the digital ticket thing too, because um, not. I mean, I'm all for, I'm all for it, but again, Saskatchewan, totally different market. You have a lot of rural fans coming into games that don't have a cell phone that don't or don't trust using a cell phone as their ticket because something could, could go wrong or whatever the case is they want that physical hard copy and it's going to cost them five bucks per ticket that's ridiculous to me it is so and and how, how long ago was it that they were putting uh season or for for your season tickets they're putting pictures of fans on there i was on there i was signing autographs at tailgates for crying out loud for having my picture on on a on a ticket which whatever is it, it doesn't mean anything to me i didn't keep any of them but for someone who was on there maybe they want to keep that that's a keepsake that's cool you can show your your kids that you can show generations down the road hey this is how it used to be that should still be a thing i know you want to phase out the getting rid of paper tickets and and like i said i i agree that should be done but there should be some kind of leeway here on that and especially in a market like saskatchewan where it's a totally different crowd than anywhere else you're not going to see the same type of people at a football game in saskatchewan that you're going to see at a football game in toronto it's not the same at all imagine if you are a season ticket holder and let's say a record that's probably never going to be uh uh, beat dunnigan's yardage record in a game let's say cody fajardo beats that record who would not want to frame their, like, at least have a keepsake ticket of that game? Like, yeah, you don't have to do it for every fan, but at least do it for your season ticket holders. Like, how hard is that? Yeah, make it special. Make, yeah. it, make it feel like something. Just, just that emotional connection. And that's where we're finding, especially here with the Riders, they're losing a lot of emotional connections. So, bottom line... I want my Slurpee cups and give me back my shoelace. That's our marketing rant for the week. I'm sure. And if you're if you're gonna come at if you're gonna come at Danny Austin, don't miss. <laughs> What's the old saying? If you're gonna come for the king, you best not miss or whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was in a mood. Oh, he was. <laughs> when he calmed down, he's like, "I went too far on this. I love Danny." Like, no, Danny, keep going, man. Yeah, that's exactly what I was like. Danny, no. No, Danny. All right. Well, let's get back to football on the field here. Let's look at this game. Riders Alouettes, Saturday, July 2nd, 5 p.m. The first of four home games in uh, in July for the Riders. So right. at least it's not Stamptober. It's uh, that, this is a big month for the team. 
to have all those games, especially against, you know, a couple uh, Western teams. No, just one Western team at the end of the month with BC, but you have all Eastern teams. They, they, they got to come out at least three and one. If they don't come out three and one, this season is going to be a free. And the one road and the one road game is the touchdown Atlantic game. So you could argue that's probably going to be a home game as well. Like that's definitely not a road game. I, I'm finally happy the CFL find, found an excuse to use the Atlantic Schooners word mark finally. <laughs> um, so, obviously, the big one, Shaq Evans, who's going to start for him. It does look like it's going to be Tevin Jones. Um, so, I'm really curious to see, because Cody Fajardo looks a lot to that uh, to the Shaq Evans spot, to that receiver spot. I'm curious if that's going to continue and Tevin Jones is going to get quite a few targets. Or if those will get spread out a little bit more to maybe a Jacob Prawl, or we'll see. I took Prawl in fantasy this week. You know, so did I, actually. I, I feel that he's kind of that sneaky play. Duke Williams he's, says he's, he's only 2,500. Okay, here's the funny thing. See, I got to go, meaning the thing. So Jacob Prawl, 2,500. Shy Ross, 2,514. What is Shy Ross done that gets him that extra $14? Of return yards. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is it? You get one point for every like 30 return yards or something like that. I don't know what it is. I don't play CFL fantasy. I have to, cause I'm in the league this year. Um, but I'm really curious to see if it's going to be uh, Tevin Jones or Jacob Prawl that kind of, you know, takes that step, that next step um, for in the receiving core here. I'm curious about Duke Williams. He says he's going to put on a show this week. So I believe him. if they can get him going early and often, whether it's just, getting them early with a couple of hitch passes or hot, you know, slants and, and ends really quick, just get them the ball right away. Like they used to do with Shaq Evans in 2019, where it was just like quick hitches and just get them the ball, let them run. Maybe that's what they're going to do with, uh, with Duke. Let's, let's see it. Let's, he's the number one guy. Let him be the number one guy. You see that happen in the NFL. Hey, that's my best player. That's my, my guy, Deandre Hopkins. We're going to pepper him with 20 targets today. Because he's that good. And what I find interesting is, you know, um, I, I talked to um, Eugene Lewis today um, for a Green Zone interview that's going to air for the pregame show. And he says this is a confident, confident player who truly believes he is the best in the league. And he's leading the league in receiving right now. And he was third last year. So you can say he is a, a top three receiver oh, yeah. in this league right now. Yeah. Um he called them 90-10 balls. We're talking 50-50 balls. He's talking 90-10 balls because that's how much confidence he has in himself that he's going to go and get it. And he said that the 10, that's not the DBs making a play. That's a bad throw. The ball's not where it should be. That's the quarterback's fault. You throw it anywhere around me, I'm coming down with it because I trust myself. I'm that good. Duke Williams needs to be that guy. He needs to have that confidence. You need to give him the chance to be that guy. So I hope this Jason Moss offense this week peppers him with targets. Short stuff, throw the long stuff to him. The intermediate ones we saw in the first game where he was going, you know, 15-yard ins. That's what I want to see. I want to see him be the focal point of this offense. I know in the CFL you want to try and spread it out, and that's what BC's done. They've done a great job of spreading out their offense and getting everybody involved. Duke Williams needs to be that guy this week. He needs to be the alpha. At the same time, Duke's also got to understand when a play is down, he just needs to avoid uh, to let it go. 
because him kick trying to kicking up that ball to himself led to that uh, interception. So you live by the sword, you die by the sword. But same thing with Cody refusing to throw the ball away. Ugh. I want to say he'll learn, but I don't think he will. No. Um, there might be some changes on the offensive line. Um, Taryn Vaughn had a bit of a limp in practice and sounds like he's going to be limited for the last couple of days in practice. If Taryn Vaughn can't go at left tackle, oof, I don't know what they do there. I don't know if you put Jamal Campbell there or if you bring up Lauderdale. Either option's not good. Uh, yeah, pray, 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 that, pray for Taron Vaughn. Like, pray, pray for Lingo, pray for uh, Taron Vaughn. And 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 this offense was struggling when it was healthy with with the healthy O line. They weren't moving the ball all that well. There's got to be a lot. Of, I know they were trying to set. You use the short stuff to set shut up to set up the deep stuff, and that's what Jason Moss usually does. But you're going to have to help Cody out a lot here with a lot of quick routes, because if we're down another offensive lineman with Taron Vaughn out, Montreal is just going to tee off. Mm -hmm. So I want to see some growth in this offensive play calling and make it situational as well. Like it's, it it can't be, okay, we're going to do an intermediate route here. Well, if that's not there, you got to have something available for Cody right now. Like there needs to be some sort of hot route on every single route. Give Cody a little more freedom in the playbook. Uh, unfortunately, he's got to be able to see what's happening at the line. Cause some of the stuff they called last game, it's like, what are you guys doing? Like that's, that's not even situational what you guys are calling. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to go as far as many calling for Jason Moss's head. No. Um, do you feel Cody's there as a third year starter now where he can, I could, cause to me, I don't see the progression in quarterback uh, to the point where like, I, th- I think he should be able to call the aud- audible with what he's seen, but it seems like he's taking a long time to make decisions that it's just not happening as quick, quick, quick as it needs to, to be an elite quarterback in the CFL. He's second. Uh, it appears he's second guessing himself. Without, yeah, like I don't know if it's because there was no pressure on him the first year, or he was just having fun. But last year broke the man. <laughs> like he, he he couldn't do anything right last year, and you could tell in his play he was hesitant. He was tentative. He hasn't shook that as much as he's saying he came in with a different mindset this year. I, like I said, he is holding on the ball way too long. And I would say, what, it was four sacks last game? Against us? At least two or three of those were because he just refused to get rid of the ball. Now, it's actually interesting you brought up the word pressure because in my interview with Eugene Lewis, I asked him about the pressure of or that's placed on the receivers when they don't know who's going to be their quarterback from week to week, whether it's going to be Vernon, whether it's going to be Trevor Harris, and you just got to be ready, right? A line he said to me is, is sticking with me right now. Pressure makes diamonds. And that's sticking with me right now. And diamonds are because... flowers. Those are flowers. <laughs> who's coming back, by the way. Yes. Um, well, Ty Domi's. Ty Domi's doing something with Ric Flair. 
uh, before his uh, match coming up. So I'm really intrigued by that. That's going to be awesome because Ty, Ty Domi rules. Um, but it, it brings up this whole pressure thing. It brings up a good point. Who can actually rise to the challenge and elevate their game when things aren't going their way? And that's how Eugene Lewis is looking at it. Whether he does it or not is something completely different. And he's proven that he can do it with whoever is going to be his quarterback. I'm curious to see if this is, you know, the pressure now is going to be on Cody Fajardo. It was a little bit last year. It's really going to be on him this year with home Grey Cup. And Welcome the team to is so there. And, and this is, without a doubt, his team. He is the guy here. There's nobody behind him that's going to pressure him for, for game time or for, for playing time at quarterback. So all the pressure is on Cody. And with all that's going on in his life, with having a baby coming up and everything, will he become that diamond? So I'm really curious to, to watch that progress throughout the season. We've seen what he can do and whether the bar was set too high and he was playing above expectations. He was playing above expectations, let's be honest. But was the bar set too high? Was he... Did he catch offenses on uh, sorry defenses unaware, or can he be that good? I don't know. Did the defenses catch up to him, or did he regress, or a combination of all of them? I don't know, but it's definitely you can definitely see he's not comfortable like he was in twenty nineteen, where he was just slinging the ball everywhere and hitting guys on massively long routes, and then last year he could hit the fifty fifty ball if he wanted to. Or he, he would see it and then he would change his mind because he didn't trust his receiver to the point where he actually said that out loud in a press conference, which is probably the most ridiculous <laughs> thing he ever did as a writer. Though I will say this season so far, those jump balls, those 50-50 balls, we've been coming down with them. Yes, They've been working. Shaq and Duke has come down with a few of them. They haven't, but a lot of them have been Shaq Evans. Uh, so I'm curious how it's going to work without them, but it has been working this year, so there, there's one thing, I guess, uh, improving from last year. We need to remember, once again, we're 2-1. and one. Like, last game looked like garbage. Let's burn the film and move on. Like, this weekend is going to tell us what this team is. If the riders get their doors blown off them again, yeah, then we can start panicking. But I, I want to say last week was an outlier, not the usual rider team we're going to see. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, and one other practice note, Nelson Lacombo uh, might be out this week. Um, I guess we'll find out in the next couple of days of practice, but that that's could, not good uh, for the ratio. That's not good for the ratio. That could force Jamal that will Campbell. Force Jamal, Campbell, Campbell. Jamal Campbell. Or maybe you have to start a Mitch Picton again or Sam, El- Sam Emilis. Um, so maybe it'll be Dalkey, who's been playing quite a bit in uh, – the linebacker safety cornerback positions. He's kind of been, I mean, they call it a positionless defense. They just want athletes, guys that can go out and just ball. And, and they have that where you see Mike Adam playing at the line. You see him at safety. You play him everywhere. Adam is playing possessed this year. I don't think we're, we've talked about that enough yet. That man is playing so well this year. I'm making a note right now and you can probably hear it typing. We're going to talk about Mike Adam. We're going to bring that up next week because he's been absolutely fantastic this year. You're right. And 
he's important. So they, they missed him a lot last year when he got hurt and missed the rest of the season. Um, but if you lose that ratio there with Nelson Lacombo, maybe it's, maybe you just swap him out with Delkey and, and you go that way or you move stuff around everywhere else. Who knows? Uh, but that'll be something to keep an eye on in the lock, next couple of days before the depth chart comes out. Are you signed Brent Jones? Here's the thing about Brett Jones. Yes. If he's willing to do it, you absolutely do it. and You pay him whatever the hell he wants. That said, he'd be a fool to do it. I stand by it. You're right. You're not wrong. Fool. Because he's used up all his NFL practice roster eligibility. He, if he were to get an NFL job, which if injuries, he doesn't have one right now, he's a free agent. But if injuries happen in training camp or preseason or getting into the first couple weeks of the season where a team starts losing a center and a guard or two guards or whatever, all of a sudden, He's getting a phone call from an NFL team and he has to be put on the active roster, which means he's clearing $750,000 prorated probably at minimum. Minimum. Meanwhile, in the CFL, the max he's going to be getting, let's say they signed him tomorrow and starts playing this week, which is not going to happen. 15 games prorated at Top salary for O lineman two fifty. I was gonna say two, two somewhere in there, yeah. Like he's probably getting two hundred k, but that locks him into the CFL, so that when the NFL comes calling in October, he can't take that job because he's locked into a CFL contract. So for him, it wow. makes no sense this year to come to the CFL. Makes no sense whatsoever. If this happens next, if he doesn't get a job here in the NFL this year. Yeah, he should probably try coming up north next year because chances are his his NFL gigs are done. Yeah. So next year, it makes sense for him to potentially be on the list of uh, must-haves for for Jeremy O'Day. But right now, it makes no sense for him whatsoever, and he'd be foolish to do that from a personal level. I, I, I heard there's serious discussions, though. And I'm, I'm sure he's seriously okay. not, not, not accepting it. <laughs> All right. So John Hodge of Three Down Nation um, said on Access 7 Sports. And uh, I'm sorry if, if, if that, and I'm not saying Hodge is, was misleading Access 7. And I'm not saying Access 7 can't break news. I'm just saying if Hodge is going to drop a story like that, it's going to be on Three Down Nation. Yeah, he's not uh, doing it to... He ain't giving that away for free. I'm sorry. No, no. Uh, And that's that he was... uh, That Brett Jones was in deep discussions with the riders. No, you know what happened is Jeremy O'Day did his due diligence and called him, is what happened. No. Hey, you want to come play? No. I think I'm good right now. That doesn't mean it's deep discussions. That's just a phone call. And like, I, I'm sure O'Day was serious to bring him in. And Absolutely. I'm sure, and I'm sure Red was serious when he said, I'm good. Yep. And that was a serious discussion. And that has been your TED talk. <laughs> anyway, when it comes to the ratio and moving parts here with the riders, I don't know what they're going to do. Like it's, they really got to stay away from more injuries. Cause it's, I'm thinking the riders were very certain that ratio was going to get sliced down to six this year. <laughs> Oh, the way geez. this team, the way this team is comprised, they thought it was six, and it ain't. 
Well, let's get uh, our pick on this week, Greg. And uh, you've already alluded to a couple of these games already. Um, but the Thursday night game, BC at Ottawa, you're going with BC on the short week. I am taking BC on the short week. So I was used to put on my pretenders logo. <laughs> this is this is completely personal. This is all this is. Because I want to see Nathan Rourke succeed, I do want to see them beat Ottawa. I don't in the standings. I want to see Ottawa win this game. And, but it's just that short week going from Saturday, cross-country flying, losing your star receiver with, uh, with Nathan Rourke losing Brian Burnham to the rib injury and a punctured lung too. Mm. Like that was that's stiff that game i don't know if you saw it but I, I watched the first half before i had to go to sleep but that first half between bc and toronto oh were those guys taking hits it's a, oh, it was a slump james, but, james butler was out for a bit yep. in that game uh because he got knocked around um a couple other guys too like it was it was a nasty game like clean hits too very clean hits but just very physical um losing a guy like that like Brian Burnham to me is still, he's the class of the CFL when it comes to receivers. I got to go with Ottawa on this one. Uh, Edmonton at Hamilton, the battle of the Owen threes. Didn't think that one was coming in, in week four here. One and three Hamilton. One and three Hamilton. Anyways, yeah, it's Hamilton. That's a reference to Hamilton. The musical. I'm guessing. Yes. Yeah. That I've never seen. So. I will also say one and three Hamilton as I'm taking the tie cats riders home to Montreal. As, as we've alluded to many times, this is going to tell us what this rider team is. I think the riders are going to do a win and I will not be there. So it's not going to be pretty. This is going to be a, it's going to come down to fourth quarter for Jardo, um, which he's being dubbed. Now this is going to be close. I think it's going to be lower scoring. Think it's going to come down to a Brett Lothar field goal, and when it comes to kickers in the CFL, there's no one I trust more than Brett Lothar. So, I'm going to take the Riders by a field goal. Because I and Trevor Harris never seems to win two in a row anymore. Um, and finally, on Monday, on uh, July 4th, Independence Day. Yeah, Winnipeg, Ring. Winnipeg at Toronto. And I like I said, I've take I I took Toronto this week. I think I'm like one of the ten percent that took it on CFL fantasy this this week. But I took Toronto because who uh, punched uh, Winnipeg in the mouth when they were on a uh, run a few years ago? Toronto. So I see I see a replay of that. I hope you're right, and I hope I'm wrong because I gotta take the bombers in this one. I don't know what I'm looking forward to more on uh, on Monday, uh, CFL football or uh, Nathan's famous hot dog. I was gonna say you're, you're, we're, we're talking the hot dogs, aren't we? Yeah, I yeah. I, I I love Joey Chestnut, man. Uh, Watching him makes me makes me ill every time. Like it's the greatest feat in sports, man. <sighs> and the entrance, like they have a full. It's a full show. Oh yeah, it's it's it's, it's become a thing. It's become a thing. Yeah. I want to go to one of these in Coney Island. That would be awesome. Yeah. The little hot dog hats they have. Yeah, I not not a me thing. I can tell you that right now. You know what they should have done in Winnipeg was brought in Joey Chestnut to crush one of those Wallaby burgers. They, oh, what 
Actually, was it Winnipeg Edmonton that brought him in, or was it Edmonton? Edmonton, because they were bringing in everybody. Fish taco, because it was a, it was fish Joey's only fish tacos. And I think they were playing Montreal because I asked if Nick Lewis was coming out to coming out to compete in after. No. Yeah, I, I would I would never make a joke about Nick Lewis's weight to his face. Wait, I did. Whoops. Oh well. We we get along. Me 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 and Nick are cool. It's fine. We'll have to uh, get to Sean's uh, new man cave when he shows up. When he brings Nick over, we'll uh, we'll have to just get that on video. Uh, me and Nick are good. It's fine. <laughs> um... Well, that'll do it for the Piffles Podcast this week. Of course, Piffles Podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks as well to Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty, Churchill Brewing Company, and Kurt Angle for their support making this show possible. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I don't know. That just cracks me up every time you think Kirk, Kurt Angle. Well, we don't suck, okay? We does true. And we're that, also that, that endorsement rings true. Yeah. And we're oh, by the way, proud. people, remember when the music hits, it's you suck to the beat. Let's let's get it right this week. All right. Well, I don't think it was the fans' fault. I think it was uh, the Ticats' fault actually who screwed that up because they didn't come out yeah. during the song. Because I did see a couple people yelling "You suck" and and whatever. I tried. Le- I tried leading my group with it, and it just it, it kind of worked. But... Yeah, but if uh, if Montreal comes out on time, which hopefully they do, then maybe it'll it'll start taking off. Hopefully they didn't just do it once and then saw it didn't work and go away go away with it because it would be awesome to see 30,000 people chanting you suck like we, we we have to have this organized by labor day that will be the best one yes absolutely and of course piffles podcast is a proud member of the cfpn the canadian football podcast network time for ghost behind your mind by tyler gilbert the ghost behind your mind the ghost behind